0: Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Vinitali International Wine and Spirits Exhibition. The 54th edition of Vinitali will be held from the 10th to the 13th of April, right here in Verona. To discover more about Vinitali and get your tickets, visit vinitaly.com This year, the Italian Wine Podcast will be live and in person in Pavilion 6, Stand A7. So come on down and say hello.
1: Stolastica recap. We're now in Taormina. It's Sunday morning. I wake up and I look out from my balcony and I can't even see Etna today. As the clouds have moved in, the wind has switched around to an easterly. The sea is rough outside the Straits of Messina and it's a completely different day. We left Etna yesterday, very early in the morning. Stevie, Andrea, and Davide were returning back to Verona for the Mazi Prize, uh, which was being awarded to Professore Attilio Scienza. We, on the other hand, were coming off the volcano to Taormina, where we are here for three days to take part in masterclasses for Taormina Gourmet. Almost as soon as we left the volcano, as we were picked up from our hotel at Lingua Glossa, etna erupted we didn't hear the boom nor did we hear the rumbles the previous night which apparently were going on but it was another eruption, in fact, the 59th this year. And by the time we arrived in Taormina and checked into the Hotel Diodoro, where we are for a couple of nights and where the Taormina Gourmet events are taking place, it began to rain black volcanic ash quite hard, almost like small hailstones. Soon, this black ash had covered the balconies, it had covered the streets, it rained rained on us as we walked, uh, quite extraordinary, a centimeter, maybe two, just in the streets of Tarmina and over, covering everything, cars, people, terraces, everything. Returning to our time for the Gita Scolastica on Etna, on day three, from Paso Picharo, we visited another important wine property in the same northern area of Etna, the Palmento Constanzo, The Palmento Constanzo was begun by Valeria and her husband, Signor Constanzo, and it has been the most remarkable transformation of an ancient abandoned vineyard on the north side of Etna in the Contrada of Santo Spirito, as well as the transformation of an ancient abandoned palmento, a large one, into the most modern winery to produce a range of Etna wines that continue to respect the tradition of Etna and yet which are produced in a modern style that is very impressive. The vineyards themselves on the dry stone terraces leading up the mountain have been restored, respecting the tradition plantation in Albarello etneo, in the quincunx uh, formation. And indeed, many of the vines are over 100 years old. We're beginning to get an understanding of this concept of contrada wines, wines from the different parts of Etna that reflect uh, a crude terroir, that reflect the area from which they are made. At Palmento Constanzo, they're taking this even further, producing not just Contrada wines, but wines finified from particular parcels within the Contrada to really give a reflection of terroir, of place, of particularities of how small changes in soil can be reflected in the wines themselves. The Palmento was a big one, a big stone building, and this now houses uh, the modern Palmento Constanzo Winery. Very impressive, very impressive wines. Particularly enjoyed tasting these crew wines uh, 466, 468, and 464. Subtle. Differences, but also notable. 464 four, much richer, much harder tannins, a wine that needs time to continue to age, whereas the 466 six was more forthcoming, brighter fruit. And it will be very interesting to see how these wines continue to develop. We enjoyed a wonderful lunch in the restored area above the winery of local foods. Produced from vegetables from the Palmento's own Orto and Salsiccia al Ceppo, once again to accompany these wonderful red wines of Etna. From Palmento Constanzo, a project that has been done in a remarkably short time, just eleven or twelve years to transform this abandoned mountainside into a vibrant new entity, this new winery and the transformation of course of the vineyards themselves. We went from this very impressive large operation to a tiny boutique winery, Hacienda Agricola Chara, which is has been created with extreme passion, and enthusiasm by Steph Yim, who greeted us warmly when we arrived. Steph, who has been at Shara for about five or six years. Again, a new project. He came to Etna because he wanted to make wine. He'd been working as a winemaker in France, having worked previously as a sommelier in America, and then in France as well, looking for somewhere to make wines in a style that he wanted. And he found this on Etna, where he was able to find old vines. High altitude with cool temperatures, and to make a style of natural wines that most interest him. A winery on a completely different scale than we had previously visited. Tiny, handcrafted wine at most twelve thousand bottles can be produced in a good year, but wines made with real personality passion, enthusiasm, and love. An orange wine, his white, made from caricante and catarato, very, very interesting, intriguing fermentation in amphora, a wine that was particularly enjoyable with some of the salumi that he had put out for us. And Steph was eager to show us his highest vineyard, a small vineyard situated at 1,200 meters up the slopes of Etna. He wanted us to taste the wine actually in the vineyard, and he was so compellingly persuasive that we abandoned the strict timetable of our visit to follow him up the mountain, driving up the flanks of Etna, almost to where the tree line stopped, passing abandoned terraces, seeing sheep and cows in the road, the smoking volcano always just beyond, just tantalizingly above us. 1200 meters is very high for a vineyard in Europe. Indeed, the vineyards of Etna rank amongst the highest in Europe, if not the highest. I had always thought that the vineyards of Morgier et La Salle on the slopes of Monte Bianco in the Valle d'Aosta were the highest vineyards in Europe. But in fact, some of these vineyards on Etna exceed even those lofty altitudes. And so we came up and up and up uh, into to finally reach Steph's vineyard, a small patch of ancient vines growing high in isolation on the flanks of the volcano. And we made our way into the vineyard and Steph then uncorked a couple of bottles. We had brought our glasses with us and we were able to try this wine that I expected to be quite ethereal and perhaps sheer coming from such a high altitude. But we're in Sicily, of course, and the sunshine is strong and the protection on this north face allows the grapes, surprisingly a garnacha, a type of Grenache, old vines planted up on the mountain to ripen to quite a full and uh, luscious style A wine that was beautiful to sample way up on the slopes of Etna. Our final visit on Etna was to the Contrade Santo Spirito winery, a winery that is the project of the Moretti family who have other vineyards elsewhere in Italy, notably the Tenuta Sette Ponti in Arezzo in Tuscany, as well as the Poggio al Lupo in the Maremma, the Feudo. Macari, below Etna, in the area around Noto. So we were met there by Fabiana, Fabiana Santi Laurini, and the agronomist of the estate, Uh, again, to see a vineyard in the Contrada Santo Spirito, a vineyard planted again with these ancient vines, vines well over 100 years old, in many cases pre-phylloxera wines, wines that never needed to be grafted onto American rootstock, partly through age, through being planted before phylloxera came to Sicily, but also because in this fine, coarse volcanic soil of Etna, the phylloxera, a type of aphid, a pest that burrows into roots and destroys vines, that vineyard pest cannot survive in this volcanic soil. So again, it was another opportunity to learn about the restoration of ancient vines on Etna, and this story of how one of the oldest wine-producing areas in the world, certainly in Italy, where vines have been grown for literally thousands of years, Some say that the legendary times, the Greeks, for example, Homer's Odyssey, the one-eyed cyclops, Polyphemus, talks about his vines and perhaps those grew on the slopes of Hetna. But the story of how wine, how vineyards were abandoned, too labor-intensive to yield financial returns once the market for Cutting wines had gone, those navigable wines that could be taken down to Riposto to travel by boat, by ship, sturdy enough to survive a sea voyage up to northern Europe to bolster less strong wines from northern Italy and France. When that market had gone and the vineyards were abandoned, we're now seeing this incredible story of reinvestment in these ancient vines, restoring them, restoring the lands, repairing the dry stone terraces. Because on this volcanic soil at high altitude with old vines, wines can be made that are quite unlike any others. Wines with elegance and finesse and power. And this is the story of Etna. So we then went down to Randazzo to enjoy another wine tasting. And A simple dinner amongst wine producers, amongst friends, people we had met along the way. Pietro Russo, the winemaker from Donna Fugata, who I had interviewed just days earlier when he was making wine on the island of Pantelleria, was there. And Gabriele, Italy's first master of wine, joined us for the evening. So it was a wonderful conclusion to three days of learning, tasting, feeling what Etna is, feeling this volcano, smelling the volcano, touching the volcanic soil, and again seeing these ancient old vines. A real opportunity to learn, to enjoy, and to discover. And so as Etna was erupting without us realizing it at the time, we came down to Taormina. We're on the coast now in the northeast of Sicily. I'm looking out over the sea now with The waves pounding on the beaches, quite a rough day ahead of us. It looks like we'll have some more rain, but we're here for two more days of masterclass tastings that are being organized for Taormina Gourmet. Very, very well done. I've already attended some fascinating tastings. One of the most interesting yesterday was a blind tasting of of wines from the 2016 vintage for Brunello di Montalcino for Barolo and for Etna Rosso. Really fascinating to see how these wines share some similarities and how uh, they're also, one can deduct from color, from tannin, and from acidity, perhaps make educated guesses of which wine is which. We have a few more days of tastings before we return home. It's been a really fantastic Gita Scolastica, and it really demonstrates, I think, to all of us Italian wine ambassadors that the toil and struggle that it takes to pass the Via Italian Wine Ambassador exam is worth the effort because it is through. Study, study in theory, study through the lectures, through tasting, that we can really gain a deeper understanding that is then furthered and enriched with a Gita Scholastica like this. So if you are thinking of enrolling in the via, Italian Wine Ambassador course, I highly recommend it. The deeper understanding of Italian wine across the country is a study well worth pursuing, and the enjoyment as well comes from the community that VIA has created, the community that we're enjoying here amongst other students, all of us from very differing backgrounds and places, and this community that is been created and nurtured by Stevie Kim and the team at VIA of Vinitali International Academy.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Italian Wine Podcast, brought to you by Vignitali International Wine and Spirits Exhibition, the biggest drinks trade fair in the world. For more information about Vignitali and tickets, visit vignitali.com. And remember to subscribe to Italian Wine Podcast and catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever you get your pods. You can also find us at italianwinepodcast.com.